0: Can I just get an amen? That was beautiful. Thank you. I've so appreciated the storytelling that we have been doing during this series, and I hope you all have as well. That's some extra bit of love you've shown us. Thank you. So King David, he was a man of contrast, wasn't he? I mean, he was profoundly committed to God, and yet he also committed some of the worst sins recorded in the Old Testament— his life was a roller coaster of extreme highs and lows. And as, a, as we have been looking in at his life during this sermon series, we've highlighted a few vignettes of his life. You may recall that the first week we looked at his call or his being anointed by the prophet Samuel to be Israel's future king. And then we explored his, his meeting of Goliath, his giant, that he faced him with courage then last week we looked at his character and some of the not so great choices he has made as we explored David and Bathsheba and Uriah and then the prophet Nathan who got David to really look at the mirror and look at himself and David asked forgiveness and received it from God Today, we're going to continue our sermon series as we look at David as an example of compassion. So would you pray with me? <clears throat> oh, holy and gracious God, we pray that your Spirit would be upon all of us this day. Convict us and comfort us in those places that we need it. And may all that is spoken and sung and prayed and reflected upon in our own hearts honor and glorify you. We pray in your name. Amen. (coughs) Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, oh, who the heck's Mephibosheth? Huh? Yeah? I mean, it's not like rolls off your tongue. You could say it, though. It does come if you practice it. It's just one of those characters that we don't really know a whole lot about. Although, Mary Lou, thank you, we know a lot more about him now. But i'm going to get to who he is and why he's important in a moment david in our text is the reigning king of israel he has conquered the land of canaan that the leaders before him had failed to conquer he is able now to unite the 12 tribes into one nation and the land of israel is at peace and enjoying a bit of prosperity and it is from this privileged position of having arrived having made it that david has a chance to reflect On his life reflect on the first seven and a half years of his king kingship and his reign now you might recall that David did not become king right away after he was anointed by the prophet it was not until Saul the then reigning king had been killed and his son uh, Jonathan had been killed and one or two other sons were killed in battle Saul's male descendants were killed so that they would not later lay claim to the throne There's this one exception, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, grandson of Saul, who was but five years of age when his father and grandfather fell, when they were killed at Mount Gilboa. They were killed by the Philistines. The child's nurse, hearing the news, fled with Mephibosheth from Gilbeah, the royal residence, and stumbling in her haste, the child was thrown to the ground and maimed in both of his feet from that point on. He was unable to walk ever again. Mephibosheth then was carried to the city of Gilead where he found refuge at the house of Makir, the son of Amiel, at a place called Lodabar. And it is there in this place where Mephibosheth was raised. So some years later... When David has subdued all of his adversaries, and he's reflecting on his life, his troubles that he had with King Saul, his close friendship with his friend Jonathan, that is when he meets Mephibosheth, and he asks if there is anyone in this house of Saul that he could show mercy to, and he learns of Mephibosheth living out there in the house of Mekir. So he invites him to Jerusalem, and he brought him there. Where he lived the rest of his days and where mephibosheth ate continually from the king's table where he found a place of welcome there at the king's table even though he was lame in both of his feet david shows true mercy and compassion he shows god's love and grace and invitation he acts it out rather he lives it out by receiving him into his household and it's not a tit-for-tat kind of love but rather, it's loving because it's the right thing to do. It's loving because he realizes the sacredness of life, of the life of Mephibosheth. Ziba, the servant of Saul, recognizes David's intention. And he says, "Well, yeah, there is this one son of Jonathan. He is crippled, he's maimed, and he lives in Lodabar." Lodabar is a city in Gilead. It is in the desert. Lodabar is a dry and dusty place. Lodabar means literally a place of no pasture, a place where one has little hope of attaining anything better by their own means. It is a place where dreams rarely come true. Lodabar represents those places of poverty and misfortune and violence. Lodabar is where we get stuck and are in need of God's grace. Mephibosheth is in this place called Lodabar. Mephibosheth is crippled not because of anything he has done, not because he was bad, but because he got dropped. Who are the children? in our society being dropped right now being neglected abused left out i don't know about you but reading the news in recent days makes me realize that there are way too many children living in lodabar that place of no pasture that place where dreams rarely come true As I've reflected on this sermon and the events of the last two weeks and the shooting of yet another unarmed African American teenager Michael Brown here in the United States has been heavy on my heart the news coming out of Ferguson Missouri makes one perhaps feel paralyzed with helplessness and despair but as people of faith people who take our scriptures seriously we have got to go deeper. It's imperative for us to look at the issues surrounding it and to understand what is happening to the children who live in Lodabar. Bishop Minerva Carcaño is a United Methodist bishop out in California, and reflecting on the death of Michael Brown, she writes this. African-American young people in Ferguson, in Sanford, and in every community in the United States need our caring attention and a clear word spoken about what is right and what is wrong. It is morally wrong that young African-American teenagers are being killed in our communities. Racial ethnic communities should not be treated as war zones. A white police department in a predominantly black community is a clear sign of racial disparity that should be questioned. And all of this merits prayerful conversation with African-American young people, with the members of our congregations, and with the leaders in our community. Right now, this is particularly true for the people of Ferguson. However, the rest of us should not wait until what happened in Ferguson happens in our own town. We should start now having the deeper conversations about racism Racial profiling, and economic injustice. Friends, it's not enough for us to be appalled and sad when we look at the news. I think as a church, we need to lament. We need to lament the shattered hope of a family who has lost a loved one, a loss that will reverberate for generations. And we can also lament the social sins of prejudice that are rampant in our world today. Besides lamenting, we can listen and learn. If we are confused about the response to Michael Brown's death, it might be worth our asking why. How might your experiences and mine keep us from understanding the significance of that shooting and how might we expand our educational and relational horizons to better understand the struggles of people of color, or sisters and brothers, who are different from us? This week, I began taking a hard look at my own life, and I started asking myself, who is it that I choose to hang out with? How could I broaden my relationships with people who are not like me? racially, socioeconomically, even religiously. This was one of my 2014 New Year's resolutions, and it was a sad reality for me to admit that I've not done very much on that particular resolution. So I'm committing myself this week to do one small act of racial reconciliation, and perhaps you will reflect on that in your own life and join me and also we can remember the words live out the words of isaiah to do our part to loose the chains of injustice as the church the christian community we must get out of our buildings and engage more with our communities so that we can shape policies that are more just and provide for reconciliation on all on all fronts i know this could be a hard sermon to hear But I believe that if we are going to seek out the children who live in Lodabar and invite them to come to our table, then act we must. I also realize that there are many of us who do not live in Ferguson or along the Gaza Strip but feel like we live in Lodabar right now. Perhaps you are in that place where dreams rarely come true that place of no pasture. Perhaps you were struggling yourself with a bit of exclusion and fear, addiction, or helplessness. If that is the case, I hope you will listen closely to the rest of Mephibosheth's story. For Mephibosheth is this crippled boy, significant in the Old Testament and the New. He is an outcast. He is a fugitive. He is living in fear of constantly harboring that dread that he is going to be found. And he is found by David. And the poor child fell on his face in terror. For all he knew, he was going to be killed, just like his father and his grandfather and his uncles. But David told him, do not be afraid. Mephibosheth expected the wrath of the king, but rather he received grace unimaginable, lavish grace. David showed him kindness. He need not fear. He would be under the king's protection. David would restore to Mephibosheth all the land of his grandfather Saul, and best of all, he would get to eat at the king's table with all of his family. Mephibosheth receives the king's love. He is welcomed at the king's table, invited to live out The rest of his life at the royal residence in Jerusalem interestingly enough some scholars think that this obscure story from Samuel is a forerunner a foreshadowing of the Christ event let the children come to me and do not stop them come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest come Mephibosheth stop hiding stop living in fear and come to my table friends it's kind of like god leaving glory to come to a place of no pasture where broken people dwell it's like god leaving a place to come to well this place this place that you and i dwell and god comes to offer us hope and an invitation to enter the royal residence and to sit at the table. You are invited. All of the children who live in Lodabar are invited. As I close, I want to share with you one more story of the the way our compassionate God surprises us and moves in our lives when we least expect it. You see... I to tell you about a dream i had many years ago while i was in college i don't normally tell my dreams but this is a special one i had been visiting my college roommate in jekyll island they had visited they had rented a house for the week and i went up for a couple of days and we had a great time and well who wouldn't in jekyll island right it was a lovely time away but one night while i was there i had a dream it was a very vivid dream it was, a, I was in the city, uh, I mean a village, and there was a dirt road, and the road was full of people, old people, young people, it was crowded, and I realized all of a sudden that Jesus was in my dream. Now, I have never before or since dreamt about Jesus, but this particular night I did. And Jesus was just like I imagined him. He was dark-skinned and long hair, and to me, he looked completely without blemish. He was kind, and he was touching the children. There were children all around. He was offering a generous love and a kind word. And all of a sudden, in my dream, I realized that I was one of those children standing near him. And I woke up from the dream feeling that I had been in the very presence of God, and that I was loved and blessed. Well, I told my host about the dream. It was a wonderful dream, as you can imagine. And I went home. A month later, I went back to college in South Carolina. And one night, I'm sitting on the—our dormitory had a big swing. And I found myself sitting—we went to the same college. Yep. I found myself sitting on the swing— and a new student named Lynn had transferred in from Virginia, and we are having a conversation, she began to tell me a story about a friend of hers who had gone to Jekyll Island this summer. I said, well, oh, that's cool. I went to Jekyll Island. And then she began to tell me her friend's dream that she had while she was in Jekyll Island. Well, I began to kind of freak out a little bit because she began to tell me my dream. She said, There was Jesus, and there were children all around, and Jesus was touching them and inviting them in and hugging them and blessing them and and just loving on them. And I said, Lynn, why are you telling me this story? And she said, I don't know. Then, the only difference in her friend's dream and mine was that her friend said to Jesus, I wish i was one of those children and jesus looked at her and said you are it's a mystical experience i had friends you are you are one of those children that jesus invites in and wants to lavish gracious love on you wants you to come and sit at his table Today we are reminded of the many people who live in Lodabar, that place of no pasture, that place where people get stuck and are in need of God, that place where dreams don't often come true, but they can come true. Listen to the words of your king, your God. Come, let the children come to me. Come and receive the kingdom as a child. Come and receive God's compassion and grace. Come, Mephibosheth. Come. Come and put your crippled feet under my table for the rest of your life. You are welcome. Please come without excuse. Would you pray with me? Oh, God, some of us are hurting so badly today that we don't know how to even start to believe that you would welcome us at your table. For we bring so much baggage, years of baggage and hurt and pain. Help us to let it go. Let go of the hurt, the pain, the fear. receive your gracious invitation of life. As we struggle to understand this complicated situation in this world that we live in, help us to find the part that you want us to play and allow us to use our gifts of healing to offer authentic healing in this world that needs it. And with the compassion that David showed Mephibosheth, help us to ponder the meaning of the life of young Michael Brown. And as we consider, help us not be defensive, but to be creative in ways that we can reach out to those who are different from us. God, be with those who are filled with anger this morning and sorrow. And those who are mourning and desiring to be filled with your hopeful presence. And finally, Jesus, we ask you to help us not to ignore or run from uncomfortable situations. For we know that you are in the business of reconciliation. And we pray for that spirit to be upon all of us. In our homes, in our workplaces, with our neighbors, with one another. So that we could all hear the tender words of your welcome and find ourselves included at your table. We lift up this prayer, Jesus, in your strong and healing name. Amen.